The title of the message this morning is Called Out and Sent In. Understanding who we are, having a clear grasp of our identity, impacts how we live. Followers of Jesus throughout history have discovered that they have a double identity. They are called out and sent in. But called out of what? And sent in where? The answer to those questions shape local church St. Pete in every way. The church is not a building. The church is not a weekly meeting where we gather to do spiritual things. The church is not a place for you to get your fill and be on your way. The church is not an optional add-on that you get when you become a Christian. So what is it? What is the church? Church, ecclesia in the Greek, it simply means meeting or assembly, gathering, called out. And God has always had a people set apart for his glory. God has always had a people set apart reflecting his character to a watching world. Always. If you remember uh, the storyline of the Bible, God created the world and mankind to display his glory. What's glory? His fame, his renown, his splendor, his majesty. We are made in God's image. We reflect the beauty of our creator. Adam and Eve who were supposed to reflect God's glory, not only in how they were made, but how they lived, eventually failed to do so, and they rebelled against him. The people of Israel, the nation, did the very same thing thousands of years later. But in Christ, God came to save. In other words, he came to redeem and restore and recreate in Jesus a people for his own glory, a people that would reflect his splendor, his glory to a watching world. And these people made up of every nation, have received the life of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. They've received new identity in Christ. And these same people are given new purpose, a call to display God's character to a watching world. So with that identity in Jesus, we've received a call to testify with our lips and with our lives of the grace and love of God expressed in Jesus. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter's writing to a persecuted and dispersed church made up of both Jews and Gentiles, non-Jews. And he writes this letter, and we find out that the church he's writing to, the churches he's writing to, they have this double identity. They are the called-out people of God, and they are the sent-in people of God. And those are the two points we're going to look at this morning. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. But you... But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans or those Gentiles or unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And we'll stop there. First, the called out people of God. He begins after talking about uh, those 
who have gone before them and have failed to, to, to be devoted to the Lord. He says, but you, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people belonging to God. What are these terms about? Why does Peter use these terms? He's taking titles that actually belong to national, to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, and he's assigning them to the New Testament church. We, we can see this in Exodus chapter 19. We're going to look at a couple examples of how God referred to the nation of Israel, this, this people that he called to himself. In, in Exodus 19, starting in verse 5, he says, Now, if you obey me fully, this is after they received the covenant from Mount Sinai. And he says, now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And there are other places in Isaiah and Deuteronomy that speak of of God's people as his treasured possession. So Peter weaves these titles together, indicating that the the New Testament church as this corporate unity is to be understood as the called out people of God. You're his treasured possession. Anyone who's a part of the church, the capital C church, the people of God, the way you've entered is by faith in Jesus. You've acknowledged that you are a sinner You've acknowledged that Jesus came to rescue you out of your sin and shame. That is how we enter this community, this church. Not this church, but the church, the people of God. We humble ourselves before God. We recognize our need for his grace. We ask for him to to save us out of our sin and shame. And he does it. We're God's unique possession. What does a follower of Jesus need to hear more than anything? Especially a new follower of Jesus. What does someone who's new in the faith need to hear more than anything? They need to understand who they are. They need to understand their identity in Christ. Because once they place their faith in Jesus, and if you're a new believer, hear this, please. Or an old believer, we we need to remember who we are in Christ Jesus. Because the enemy will come along and, and plant all these seeds of doubt and confusion, and we'll wonder, oh, was this legit? Was what I prayed real? Is this just some sort of, uh, I don't know, thing that I've, I've just kind of come up with? And is this, is this real? Who am I? You are called out. This is about identity. And the power and the motivation behind living a transformed life is knowing our new identity in Jesus. Everything is connected to this. Who we are is is the basis for how we live. How you live, it grows out of understanding who you are, truly. The new identity we have in Jesus, we could say it's holistic. It's intricately connected to all of life. All of life. Understanding who we are, it involves understanding whose we are. Who do we belong to? In Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, Uh, Paul writes to the church of Corinth and he says, do you not know that your your bodies are temples of, of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. 
You were, you were not your own. You, you were bought at a price. The idea here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where it says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. The idea here is that God has written over us mine. We belong to him. We're his possession. Now, Toy Story 4 just came out. Never thought that it would. But if you remember Toy Story 1, the original, Andy had that Woody doll and he wrote on his foot. What? He wrote his name, Andy. Right on his foot. That, that doll, that Woody doll belonged to Andy. He was his possession. God purchased us. We belong to him. He accepts us. He welcomes us in. He separates us. He calls us out. And what are we called out of? What are we called out of? We're called out of darkness. We're called out of shame. We're called out of a radical individualism that ruled our hearts. We're called out of narcissism. This love for an obsession with ourself. And that narcissism that just continues to invite us inward until we're completely distracted by our own agendas and our own lives. And we shrink uh, the size of our lives, or we shrink our lives to the size of our own lives and our problems become huge and all-consuming. He's called us out of that. He's called us out of a life dominated and ruled or governed by sin. He's, he's called us out of hiding and shame. Jesus covers your shame. If you're struggling with guilt and shame this morning and you're in Christ Jesus... Celebrate the reality that sins are forgiven. Forgiven. He clothes us in his righteousness. His rightness. His perfection. The exchange that went down on the cross was my sin for his righteousness. Where Jesus became sin for me and for you. He fully absorbed the punishment that you and I deserved. He did it so that we would be forgiven. The price was paid. And so in our shame and with our guilt, we grovel and we wonder, oh, I got I to do more. I got to do more. No, you can't do more than what Jesus has already done. You can't add to the finished work, the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So celebrate it. Rejoice in it. You're called out of shame. You're called out of hopelessness and despair. You're called out of trying to earn your acceptance before God and before others. You're called out of trying harder and doing more and believing that that's somehow going to outweigh all the bad that you've done. It won't. It won't outweigh all the bad you've done. Our hope is in Jesus. His righteousness. We're called out of darkness. What does it mean to be called out of darkness? What does it mean? Turn with me to Ephesians Chapter 5. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Let's pause there. Think about this. Here, the invitation is before us. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and here now we've received it 2,000 years later in St. Pete. <laughs> Find out what pleases the Lord. Find out. 
Where are we going to find out what pleases the Lord? By going to his word, his revealed will for our life. He says, live as children of light because that's who you are. Live out your identity is what he's saying. Live in the good of it. He goes on to say, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes light. Now, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We'll stop there. Be very careful how you live. Church, we are called out of darkness. We're children of light for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we're to live in the light. Now, the nation of Israel was brought from, dark, from the darkness of Egypt. If you remember the story. They were brought out of the darkness of Egypt to the glory, to the light of Mount Sinai. This covenant that God made through the giving of the law, through the giving of the commandments. A wonderful covenant of love. It was grace that God would reveal him, you know, and show uh, the nation how to live. And what he's calling them to and invite them into relationship with him. Out of all the nations. They were called out of darkness. We too have been brought out of a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the sun. I want you to see this in Colossians. It's a repeated theme, by the way. You're seeing it in all the, the, the letters uh, in the New Testament, what Paul is writing to the churches and how he's encouraging them in this way. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. For he, the Father, has rescued us from what? The dominion or the kingdom of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Literally, literally the idea is that the Father has transferred us. And the picture I get when I read this is like picking up my, my 13-year-old over my shoulder, which is a little awkward and, and, and hard for me. I don't know why I picture my biggest kid. Uh, but I picture just, just transferring him somewhere. I can still, I can still handle him. I got a couple more years where I can do that. So transferring him somewhere. Uh, But the idea is that the father has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom, in Jesus, we have redemption. Which is the forgiveness of sins. Oh, come on. What could be better than that? I I can't think of, of any news that I could give you that's better than this. For what it means for life now and forever. Back to 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter goes on to basically say, this is who you are. You're, you're given this title, you're given this role for a reason. He's saying there's a whole lot of purpose attached to your identity as the treasured possession of God. You're this royal priesthood, you're this holy nation, And you don't just get a title. You have a responsibility attached to it. A privilege. That we may declare, he says, the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. There's the purpose attached with the title. With our new identity. That we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Declaration is what you are called to. Declaration is what I'm called to. You know, I've heard it said this way, that worship is our response to what we know about God 
expressed in and by the things we say and do. Worship is our response to what we know of God expressed in and by the things we say and do. So how I speak and how I live expresses worship. Declaration involves making statements, literally pronouncements about the one who has done the unthinkable. He's rescued us. He's cleansed us. And who do we declare these praises to? Well, we declare them to God. We bring praises to him. We we did that earlier today. It's sweet just to lift our voices in praise, declaring truths about who he is and, and what he's done. We're declaring praises to him. And we're to declare these praises to others, both followers of Jesus, because we need mutual encouragement, building up, reminding one another what this is about, but also to those who don't follow Jesus, pointing them to God's beauty, pointing them to Jesus and the reality of who God is in the face of Christ, declaring the good news of the gospel and why it's even good news to begin with. This declaration is the sole responsibility and the distinct privilege of the called out people of God, of the church, not a building, but a people. It's the sole responsibility and distinct privilege of you and I. If you're in Christ. Think about that. This declaration that we're called to. And Peter goes on to say in verse 10, once you, and this is not you singular, but you plural. He's writing to the church. Very important because this is not an individualistic call. This is a collective call. And when we do this together, we're obeying that call. You were not a people. You can't be a people on your own. But now, he says, you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter's quoting the prophet Hosea. He's speaking of, of, Hosea talks of Israel's rejection of God and turning away to idols. And once they were fed, once God provided for them, they became satisfied and then forgot God. Does that sound familiar? Once we have everything we think we need, it's like, well, we don't need God anymore. And Hosea was prophesying of a day that would come when God would call the nations to himself. And he's doing it. He's doing it in Christ. So like the nation of Israel, we were at one time no people. We had not received mercy. In fact, we were under the deserved sentence of condemnation for sin. But now... We've been given the highest privilege in the universe. Why? Why have we been given that privilege? It's just simply the undeserved grace of God that we've been given. it. This passage, it was originally written to a suffering, persecuted, and rejected people. Persecuted by the world, but accepted by God. How sweet to hear, you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why are you that? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Oh, I want to remember this. You starting to see why this is so important to me personally, but also to us as a church. I told our, our, uh, our core team at the beginning of this church plant 
that I would be talking a lot about being called out and sent in. Uh, This is my prayer for us, that we'd understand that we are the called out people of God. We're called out of darkness and shame. And we're sent in, which we'll get to in a a moment. Uh, But I want to remember that I'm called out. I want to remember that I'm God's special possession. I want to remember that I'm a, a, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. I keep saying I, but I should be saying we. That we are that together. If we could only remember this, what would it do for us? How would it encourage us? So we went up to Michigan here uh, last week to visit Valerie's side of the family. And it was just a sweet time. And uh, Valerie's Graham, she passed away uh, unexpectedly years ago. And uh, I remember when Valerie went up uh, to her home after she passed up, up to Michigan just to be with the family that we were with. And when she got to her Graham's house, she was able to quietly just walk through every room of the house. And she looked uh, in every drawer and she opened every cabinet. She went into the basement. She opened the refrigerator, everything. There wasn't a corner of the house that she she didn't enter. Why? She wanted wanted to soak it in. She wanted to remember all this. this, She wanted to remember the, the, the smells Right of, of, of Graham. She wanted to remember just the, the sound of walking down the basement. She, she wanted to remember everything. And she told me when she got home, she said, I, I wanted to remember, I want to remember with the hope of never forgetting. I just, I love that. I want to remember with the hope of never forgetting. It's just so honest. And that's, that's what I want for us as a church. I want us to remember with the hope of never forgetting that we are the called out people of God. We belong to him. Oh, let that do what it's supposed to do to you. Let it encourage you. Second, we are sent in. We are the sent in people of God. Where are we sent? First, we're sent into his marvelous light. Everyone who has trusted in Jesus has this ongoing access to God. Every believer is given the the privilege to enter the presence of God. This is about relationship with God. Second, we're sent into the world with a message to declare. What do priests do? What does a priest do? They, they, they're, well, they're supposed to point people to God. We bring people by the hand and bring them to God. So again and again, pointing them to the greatness and the glory and the splendor and the beauty of God. And that is our privilege and responsibility. Every believer, a royal priesthood. And God is not silent He is not quiet. He's made himself known. He has defined himself for us so we don't have to try to figure out. We go to God's word. We see what he's like. We don't adjust the message or change it. We We present the truth of who God is in all of his holiness and glory and splendor. And it brings us to our face. In, in, in adoration, we, we tremble in fear before the reality and the sovereignty and the holiness of God. But we stand in confidence in the righteousness of Jesus. We present this beautiful God because we're a royal priesthood. We're sent into the world to present God to others. Now we have to fight to preserve this double identity. Called out, sent in. Called out, sent in. That's what we are. The vision can be lost. The temptation is this. To withdraw and retreat, which leads to isolation and separation. Or to blend in and compromise, which leads 
to what? Complacency. Accommodation. If we're not the set apart, holy and distinct people of God, then we will have nothing to say. But if we are not deeply involved in the world, entering the pain and suffering of those around us, then we will have no one to say anything to. I mean, think about that. If we're not set apart, we got nothing to say. But if we don't enter into the world of those around us, we have no one to say it to. We're just talking to ourselves. Double identity. There's a clear call to remember that we are strangers and aliens, that we're going to be aliens here until Jesus returns. But until then, we're to keep ourselves free from sinful desires, which Peter says, which war against the soul. Think about that. These sinful desires. Do you feel it? I feel it. Every day I feel it. That war. Those sinful desires that are warring against the soul. And where do we do this? Where do we live this kind of life? Where do we do it? In a corner? Nope. Right here in St. Pete. This is what God has called us to. Among the nations, among the pagans, Peter says, which means Gentiles, just the unbelievers. That's where we're to do it. Peter links the witness of our, of our lives with the witness of our lips. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So think of this. Jesus was sent, and so are we. We are called out, and we are sent in. We are called out holy and distinct and set apart, <laughs> ransomed, redeemed, and then we're sent back in, just as Jesus was sent. We're sent back in on mission to declare the praises of him who called us out, to invite others, to know him. That's our privilege. That's our mission. John Stott, he writes, Jesus did not stay in the safe immunity of his heaven. Instead, he emptied himself of his glory. He humbled himself to serve. He actually entered our world. He took our nature. He lived our life and died our death. He did not have, uh, he, he could have, he could not have identified with us more closely than he did. And now he calls us to enter other people's worlds as he entered ours. And this without compromising our Christian beliefs and our values and our standards. You and I have a mission set before us. We are not called to be spectators. We are called to be active participants. You know, we're learning from the early church in our series in the book of Acts. They paved the way for us. But it's our turn now. The baton has been passed. It's our turn now. Local church, St. Pete, the way you relate within the specific relationships that God places in your life, it reveals a whole lot about the influence he's having in you. What relationships has God placed you in right now? And are those relationships reflecting Jesus's influence over your life? How, how are you influencing others because of Jesus's influence over you? Oh, he wants to make his name known through you. And when we bring people into community, when we have dinner with them, when we show interest in their life, when we invite them into our house group or our lives, or we, we, we gather with other believers for a meal and we invite others in who don't know Christ, 
By God's grace, they're going to see something of God's love expressed in our relationships. We're going to invite them in and hopefully see glimmers and glimpses of God's grace. And we can declare who God is to them. Not with this self-righteous arrogance, but in humility. And with the desire to walk in love towards that person that they might experience God's grace and love. Don't you want that? It's going to take intentionality on, par- on our part. It's going to take remembering our identity and our calling. Called out, sent in. Called out, sent in. You can say, I know this. I read it before. I agree with you. This is good stuff. But you know what? We can acknowledge these things are true and we can agree intellectually with it. We can give a big head nod and say, yeah, hand clap. But belief requires personal transfer of trust and reliance from yourself to Jesus. So with this, we need, to, we need to express personal reliance and trust in Jesus. That he will enable us to be what he's called us to be. Called out, sent in. Called out, sent in. It's about understanding the connection between who you are and how you're called now to live. Your identity and your purpose. You, local church, St. Pete, is a people. When I think of local church, St. Pete, I love this building. And I can't believe we're in it. But it's not the building, it's the people. You, our local church, St. Pete. You are the called out and sent in people of God. Sent in where? Right back into St. Pete. Where you work, where you play, where you go to school, in your neighborhood. Sent in to do what? To declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Now then, we should expect God to empower us by his spirit to do what he's asked us to do and called us to do, right? Called out, sent in. Disciples who make disciples. Oh God, help us to be. Help us to be that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your mercy, for your grace. Help us to remember with the hope of never forgetting that we are the called out and sent in people of God. Lord, I pray that you would bring great encouragement today to those struggling with shame and guilt, depression, feeling rejected, feeling like they're, they're not good enough, that you'd help them to see that in Christ, they're forgiven. And that in fact, they are your treasured possession. Oh God, drive that deep into hearts today. But with that identity, Lord, would you also help us to see that we're called to something, to declare that grace and love to declare the praises of you, Lord. Help us to do that faithfully and with joy, to see it as a privilege and a responsibility and help us to make an impact here in this city for your namesake. In Christ's name, amen.